And this is the question I wrote at the beginning of, of taking notes this week. I wrote the question, do you want to know God more? Seems like a pretty obvious question to, to, to of course, I want to know God more, but I really had to ask myself and ask the Lord, is that evident in my life? Do you want to know God more? Do you want to grow in your faith? Do you want to make a bigger difference in the lives of, of people around you and in our community? And we would say, yes, yes, yes. Well, you will experience more spiritual growth, and we will accomplish more for the kingdom of God, for kingdom purposes. What we were just singing about, the difference that God wants to make in the city, if we commit to doing less. What? Aren't we always supposed to do more, just keep adding, piling more on? Like, no. If we do less things well, I think God's going to bless us and bless his church. And so what we've been talking about in this series is recommitting ourselves to, to the essential elements of Christian living. That, that less is more. We don't have to do everything under the sun. We can do less and do it better. And we can see spiritual fruit out of that. And so these essentials that we've been talking about the past couple of weeks are also called spiritual disciplines. They're, they're practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyone can, can, can do these things, but unless you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there won't be the power that we're talking about. It will only be an entry into the opportunity to meet Jesus. But if you're here this morning and you've put your faith in Christ, if you commit to just these, these very simple, straightforward, clear-cut spiritual disciplines that we're talking about, that we find in Scripture, you will know God more, and you will be more effective you will see a greater blessing. That's what we're talking about. Habits, habits of faith, means of grace, they're called in church history and theology. Practices that God's people have been committed to since biblical times. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says this, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Uh, which means we're not godly just because we practice these spiritual disciplines. That's what got the Pharisees in hot water, isn't it? They thought, well, if we just do these external things, these, these habits, then we'll have the benefit. No, we do these things in order to be godly, to honor the Lord, to walk in his ways. So speaking of that, we've covered two so far. The first one was know God's word. Just simple. You're taking notes. You missed three weeks ago. We talked about knowing God's word. Know God's word. Uh, the, the, a disciple uh, is anchored to the Word of God. A disciple of Christ treasures the Bible, that every word of God proves true. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. That's relevant in our lives. That the most important first two spiritual disciplines are uh, knowing God's Word, biblical knowledge, and prayer. In that order. First, we need to hear from God before He hears from us. And prayer is so important that actually I'm having a whole separate sermon series on prayer because it's so important. But prayer is going to be throughout this message and really every message. And in my mind right now, I'm praying, Lord, help me, help me communicate to these people what you're doing in our lives here. But, but prayer is going to be a separate thing. But we focused two weeks ago on knowing God's word. Last week, what was it? Sabbath rest. What? Sabbath rest. Now, that was an example of, write this down, obey Jesus. 
Obey Jesus. Know God's word and obey Jesus. A disciple takes God at his word. And so, yes, we talked about Sabbath rest, but that was just one example of what we're to do as Christians. And it was tough, wasn't it? I had a lot of conversations with folks saying, yeah, yeah but pastor, you, you don't see, see, this is tough. This is not, this is hard to do. Yeah, right, I know, I know. We just looked up one example of what Jesus calls us to do to obey him, and, and it kind of shook things up, didn't it? I mean, it's a little uncomfortable. I know. I said it's simple. I didn't say it's easy. Know God's word, obey Jesus, and this morning the theme, walk by the Spirit. Our passage this morning from Galatians chapter 5, it will say to walk by the Spirit in verse 16, to be led by the Spirit, verse 18, to, to live, to keep in step with the Spirit. We're going to talk about what that means, what that looks like, and how that will make a difference in our lives and the life of our church. So with that, would you please stand together? We'll honor God's word. So we're going to hear God's word. We're going to say, Jesus, help us to obey it. And we want to walk by your spirit. So Galatians chapter 5, we'll have that on the screen here. This is Paul. We're picking up late in the game in his letter to uh, Galatians. He says, so I say, walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Please be seated. Galatians 5, 6 says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So we're to walk by the Spirit. It means to, to be faithful to the calling that God has given us. We've heard his word. We're going to take God as word. We're going to obey Jesus. And in that obedience, based on God's word, we're now going to live by faith, by walking with the Spirit. I think about the Holy Spirit. Some of us have said, Pastor, are you going to ever do a, a sermon series on the Holy Spirit? Have we done that in the past? Is it time for another series? You know, I keep adding this to the list. I think I'm up to like 2032 with sermon series planned out for like years to come. We'll do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. But when we pray, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and who? The Holy Spirit. The Christian life begins when you receive the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit produces 
all the incredible changes in your life. It's the Holy Spirit who, who uses the law to convict us of our sin. We can see, whoa, I, I, have, to, I have to change my ways. We see God's word and the Spirit uses that to convict us of sin, to show us the error of our ways, to draw us to Jesus in faith. The Holy Spirit draws us and then regenerates us, makes us new again. This is all the work of the Holy Spirit. He unites us, not an it, not a force, but he, the person of the Holy Spirit, unites us, bonds us with Christ. And now if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit does what else? Holy Spirit counsels us. Jesus said, I'm sending to you a helper, a counselor. He counsels us. He corrects us. And it's the Holy Spirit who comforts us. When you pray, you have a, a joy that shouldn't be there, that's, that's there in the morning, like Pastor Frank was just praying about. If you, you pray and you have a peace that passes understanding, how's that getting in your life? It's by the Holy Spirit. He gives us a testimony a story about how God's changed our life. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit seals us for eternal life, promises never to let go of you. The Holy Spirit is like a, a stamp, a seal of approval over our lives. And we'll see in just a moment that out of this, out of all that the Holy Spirit does in our life, when we're walking by faith, the Spirit produces gospel character in our lives. So let's look at the text. What's this business about walking in the Spirit? And I want to be really sensitive to those of us that are coming to church for the first time, or maybe some of you are coming back to church after many, many years, and you hear these terms, like, well, what, what does that mean to walk by the Spirit? Should we just assume that we know? Let's not assume anything. What's it mean? In the Bible, a walk is often a metaphor for practical daily living. Which way are you headed? Just practically, which way are you headed? The Christian life is, is likened to a journey, a journey that has ups and downs, but, but it's always one foot in front of the other. We're on a walk, and we're to make consistent, faithful, forward progress, and we do that by staying in step with the Holy Spirit. You keep up with the pace that the Spirit has set. So to, to walk in the Spirit, it, it means to be, to be led. It means to, to be listening and to be led where the Holy Spirit is following you. The Spirit is inside of you. You read God's Word. You say, I need to obey Jesus. And in that moment, it's the Spirit who's speaking inside of you. It's the Spirit that's speaking to you from the words on the page that just leap off. You're like, what says in the Bible? It's so relevant to my life. It's the words that God puts on the lips of the people around you, or maybe even a pastor's lips that says something to you. Think, oh, that is coming, that is coming from, from God through you to my ears. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It means to accept his, his influence. It means to be faithful with the gifts that God's given to you, which is actually a great little plug for uh, David Miles doing a waypoint. Waypoints are just a, a quick mini-lesson Five minutes, two minutes even if you need it. Right out here in the foyer about spiritual gifts. You can take a spiritual gift assessment and figure out what are the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to me uh, to be activated and to be used in the life of the church. I did that last night with Cheryl because she's in the new members class. All of our folks that are in the covenant 
uh, new members class that we call Essentials U. They all took the tests, and, and Cheryl's gifts just popped out. Absolutely. 136 questions, wisdom, faithfulness, all of her gifts popping out. So I want you to uh, pick up one of those packets today after the service. So I said before, we're coming late to the party in the book of Galatians. Maybe you've studied the book of, of Galatians, the letter to the churches in Galatia. It's about protecting the freedom that we have in the gospel, the freedom that God's given us as part of our salvation. The, the, the churches there were being pulled back into old ways, into old habits, into old diehard uh, expectations that Paul says, you're free from that. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to do those things because Christ has done everything for you. There's nothing that you can supplement your faith with and add human effort. That's the point of Galatians. In, in most religions, the, the motivation for morality, for doing what's right, is fear-based, isn't it? Do this, don't do that, or you get zapped. Isn't that how most religions work? But in the gospel, the, the, the motivation is a dynamic love. It's a dynamic love. We talked about the love of God's word the first work. We talked about the, the, the joy of Sabbath rest, the, the way the Lord loves us by giving us a day off, explaining to us how he's created us to work for six days and to have an actual day of rest. It's a dynamic love. And, and here Paul's urging these Christians to see the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in his love, in his working or his walking with them. And by way of this, he's contrasting what it means to walk with the Spirit with what? Gratifying the desires of the flesh. Now again, what does that mean? If you didn't grow up in church, if you haven't gone to Sunday school in a long time, what does it mean, gratifying the, the desires? The old word would be the lust. We don't use that anymore. But, but, but what would that mean, the flesh? Well, the flesh is an expression the Bible uses for that place inside of us that opposes God. It's that command center within us, our will, our ego, that opposes the will of God, that opposes trusting in God's grace and goodness and says, I can do it myself. When's the first time, parents, you heard that from your child? When they're about two years old? Probably one of the first things, sentences they could string together. I can do it myself. Mine. No, I'm in charge of the world. And they swing their arms and all like 20 inches around their bodies. They're like, I have free will. I can do whatever I want. And you're just looking down at this child thinking, what, what are you thinking? We never grew up out of that. That's the flesh. It, the flesh represents our unaided human nature. So he says there's a conflict. The conflict is between our, our old nature, the, the flesh, our, our selfish desires of, of self-love, uh, of self-righteousness, of doing it my way, I know what's best, and the new nature born of the Spirit, born out of God's Word, out of a call to obey and follow the directions that Jesus has given us, as, as loving as they are, but they are diametrically opposed, and they're in conflict. The Spirit wants one thing, and the flesh wants another. 
They're always at odds with each other. There's always a struggle. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7, doesn't he? He says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, I, I know I, I should stop doing, I just keep doing them. There's a conflict here. There's a tug of war of contrasting desires within us. You know, there are a lot of people making a lot of money offering therapy and counseling all over the country and, and it's the, this conflict that's really at the heart of it, that they just sort of want to dismiss any kind of spiritual concepts to it and constructs. They just want to kind of add a, a humanistic, uh, materialistic understanding of the world. Forget about the spiritual realm. But all that conflict, all of that fighting, Paul says it here 2,000 years ago. This is the conflict, especially for the church. The question is how to get out of it. How do we walk with the Spirit? How do we experience God's dynamic love and not gratify the flesh, which Paul says leads to all kinds of trouble? And he says here, we need to choose which side we're fighting for. We need to choose sides in this war. There, there's no compromising. There's no middle ground. There's no truce. There's no DMZ. Either remain subject to the law's penalty for sin Go ahead and, and try to muster it up yourself to please God on your own. That means you're under, under his sin uh, cover already still. Go ahead and speed down that country road around that hairpin turn and see what happens. You'll crash. Or turn the other way and walk with the Spirit and live in freedom. He says it's a daily choice. Look at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And he probably doesn't need to spell them out, but he does. He probably little ears listening, but he spells it out. And we won't go into detail because maybe we have some uh, sensitive ears here. But they really fall down into these three categories, the sinful nature in three categories. The first category is, is sexual works of the flesh. This is sort of the big category of sexual works of the flesh. And then I put quotes around the spiritual works of the flesh. That, that would be idolatry and witchcraft. So there's the first category. The second category is these spiritual things, idolatry, witchcraft, and all the rest. And then the third would be social works of the flesh. Could someone please bring me a tissue? That's not in my notes. I really need one if someone's got one. <laughs> Sorry if you're watching online. You know, noses run. And we're going to probably edit this part out, so thank you. My pancake makeup isn't running because I'm not wearing any. Or this is in 4K, isn't it, Corey? Really? Good thing I shave twice. I have, I'm Italian, right? So I have to shave like four times a day to I look like Wolfman. Okay. So just everyone just say, wow, on three. Like we're just going to cut right in. Just say, whoa, like you just heard the most incredible spiritual insight. Okay, one, two, three. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so these are all kinds of habits. These are, these are choices. And really, in, in some regards, are they, are they even choices? Or are we controlled by them, right? So I, I, I don't want to do this, but it's just a habit. I can't help myself. Isn't that what we say? These old ways, our, our old nature they still impact us today. And you say, wait a second, Pastor Peter. There's all kinds of good things that people do that, that don't fit with this, this list, but the reality is deep in our hearts, 
the heart of hearts, you cast off all restraint, all social restraint. This is what we devolve into. It's very destructive. Beloved, never choose one of these desires of the flesh and say it's from God. The Holy Spirit doesn't want that for you ever. It's never okay. It's never okay to say, well, I'm at peace with my decision, even though I know it's not in God's word, and technically I'm disobeying Jesus, but in my heart I feel that it's okay. It's not okay. It's never okay. Paul warns of the habitual practice. He's talking about living this way. Those who live like this, not incidental, but living habitually like this, he says, indulging in these ways, these desires, these lusts, shows a person is not redeemed by the Son of God. And then he goes right into the beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit. And there's just no comparing the two ways of living, is there? There's no, no comparing between impurity or love, true love, between strife or peace, anger or kindness, sexual immorality and self-control. There's just no comparing. And the good news is in this text, if you walk with the Spirit, you kill those old passions every day, saying no to them and yes to God, you will experience great fruit in your life. Fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Passion fruit? Grapefruit? The Greek word translated fruit refers to the natural product of, living, of a living thing. Paul uses fruit here to help us understand the gospel character that, that is the likeness of Jesus that's produced in us by the Holy Spirit. As we go down this list, notice that this is singular fruit. It's not fruits. It's a, it's a package deal. The Bible says becoming more like Jesus is a package deal. You can't say, well, I'm pretty good at kindness, but I'm really, I have no, never experienced uh, goodness. No, 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 no. It's a package deal. The, the Spirit producing this fruit is, yes, the work of the Spirit, but it's also now your opportunity to get involved. You know what it's like? Have you ever been to an apple orchard? Washingtonians, you ever been to See a relevant pastor? Like, yeah, I get it. Back east, that would have been. You ever uh, picked up crab? So back in Maryland, that's how. No, we're going to talk about apples. Someone's up the ladder, and they're picking off the apples. And what are you doing down below? You're holding the basket, and those apples are dropping into the basket. At least that's how they used to do it, right? Am I right? And so, in the same way, you need to be in the right spot, the right place, to catch that fruit. It's in the daily choices that we make, in just the ordinary habits of our faith that we've been talking about in this series we're going to continue to talk about, that the Holy Spirit will produce fruit, character, change in our lives. So let's look at the list. Choose love. And you've chosen the Christ-like answer to people's malice and hate. That no situation justifies bitterness. No injustice is made right by more hate or more injustice. So choose love today and always to love God and to love other people. And choose joy. And you've chosen the Christ-like answer to depressing hard circumstances, which we talked about in our, in our last series. To, to pray, God... You're here with me. You're bigger than this bad situation I'm facing. 
I know that you're with me. Help me not to give into temptation, but to find joy in the midst of this hardship where I know that you will work something good through this situation. Choose peace and the power of the Holy Spirit that you've chosen that day will give you the Christ-like ability to confront troubles and threats and anxieties. The Holy Spirit specializes in impossible situations. I have people coming to my office saying, I'm in, I'm in an impossible situation. And I say, I've got good news for you. I've got no answers, but the Holy Spirit does. He specializes in that. Lord, give me peace. Just pray that even now. If you're facing a situation like that, Choose forbearance. This is just another way of saying patience. Lord, I'm in too much of a hurry. Yesterday I was in Tequila. I went to a mall in Tequila. It's crazy. It's not even Christmas time. People are, it's madhouse. I just had to stop and say, Lord, please give me patience in the midst of this moment. My kids see it. People that I love see how impatient I am, how my short fuse, I'm so impatient. Help me to be patient, Lord. Pray this prayer, and you've made a wise choice. You've chosen the Christ-like reaction to the craziness around you and the chaos. Choose kindness. Don't we need more kindness in the world? All the things we've heard in the news, all the things that are happening in a terrible tragedy and the violence in Pittsburgh. Choose kindness. To say in your life, you will choose to be kind. To pray, Holy Spirit, help me to see people the way you see them. Give me a heart for those that think differently than I do, who vote differently than I do. I want to be kind with my words and my attitudes. Don't buy into the hype of saying it's us against them. Be kind. Choose goodness. Isn't Jesus good? He's so good. Lord, I want to be good. I want to be honest and have integrity. I want to be honest with my use of my money and my resources. I'm not going to be dishonest with them, Lord. Help me to be good. I'm not going to, to go there. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to click on that site. I'm not going to buy that thing. I want to be good. Help me, Jesus, to be good. Choose today to be faithful, faithfulness. To every day say, every day start the morning and say, Lord, give me more faith today. Oh, I need more faith this morning, Jesus. Oh, I've got a big one today, Lord. Give me faith to trust in you, Jesus, that you're going into that boardroom with me, that you're going into that sales meeting with me. I want to speak with integrity and honesty. I know I've got a sucker on the line. I could convince her to buy uh, whatever. I'm, going to, I'm just going to go in there and be faithful to you and be honest and truthful, and with the chips falls, they may. Now, some of us are hearing me go through this listen, and the Spirit is prompting you, right? You, there's a situation, you can sense it. I don't know, nothing hocus pocus here, but I can sense it because I just know it's always been the case when I've gone through this list, there are people in the congregation, because I'm feeling it too, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you, tapping you, saying, uh, yeah, that's one of the areas in our in our relationship, I want us to work on, buddy. So right now, even now, stop worrying about how I'm presenting this message. Just focus on that one fruit that's listed there. That like, this is something I need. And isn't it easy to see the needs or the, the lacking in other people? 
than ourselves. Say, oh yeah, he really needs to be more kind. So much so. Lord, help him to be more kind. Don't worry about people around you. But for yourself, choose gentleness. The Christ-like reaction to, to harshness and violence. Lord, help me to walk in step with you by being gentle with my words and my actions. And finally, self-controlled. All this is a lot about temptation. Lord, help me to remember, remember who I am in Christ, that I am a new creation. Help me to kill sin. Help me to say no to it. It's been crucified, dead, and buried. It's behind me. I'll never go back to that way of living again. Help me to have self-control against addiction. There are people here that are struggling with addiction. And there's no easy, we'll just stop doing it. No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit coming right now to free you, I pray, in Jesus' name, of that addiction. Lord, would you now reign in my life and in my house. You've promised to help free me, Lord, and give me self-control. And Paul ends this list saying, quote, against such things as these, these gospel characteristics, he says, there is no law. What does he mean? He means go for it. No stop signs, speed limit. Nothing's going to slow you down, not to, not to hell, but to heaven. There's nothing that will stop you from living this way, from this fruit being produced in your life. If you say each day, I want to walk with you, Holy Spirit. I want to walk by faith. So how can we be more fruitful? Walk and step in the Spirit. The Lord may need to prune things out of your life. Jesus says that he's the vine, we are the branches, we need to abide in him. And he says, my father is the vine dresser. My father, that is, is the one working in the garden, might need to prune some things out of your life. Old habits that die hard. Temptations that flare. The Lord may be identifying those things even now that need to be removed from your life. Don't say, well, I'm strong enough to go into that situation because at the moment, I come right up to the edge, but I won't... I won't sin. No, I don't want to go to the edge. I don't want to mess with that. So the Lord may need to prune. The Lord may need to remove you from those situations that cause you to walk in those old ways. Fruit does not happen overnight. Someone close to you might be the best judge of whether or not you're growing in spiritual fruit. I think about uh, our kids. My son's growing like a weed, but I don't see it. I just, you know, every day he's in the house, but People that haven't seen him for a while say, whoa, he's huge. He finally grew into his feet. He's wearing size 13 like for the past three or four years. Now it's finally, his body's catching up. We, we may not see that growth the way the people in our lives see. So we need to be in relationship with others who can say, I see a difference in you. You're changing. When, when I look at your life and I look at the way you interact in your workplace or at home, I see Jesus in your life. So which side are you on? Are you on the side with the Holy Spirit? Using the freedoms that Christ has given you to steward those gifts, to use them for good, to bless others and to be a blessing? Or is it just a game? And really what's really going on is you're still like that two-year-old. It's my way. I'm in charge. I'll pick and choose which things I choose to do, what things I'll choose to obey. Don't be deceived. If those things mark your life, 
hear what the Bible says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if you're here today, you're hearing all this, you say, I don't know Jesus the way this man's talking about knowing Jesus. Today is the day. I want you right now to admit your need, that your life has not been going the way that it's meant to go, to confess your sin, to say, Lord God, I know that I'm not living according to your word. I know that I'm not obeying Jesus and he is not the center of my life. To confess your sin, to repent, it means to turn away from that way of life. To say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to turn away from that. I'm going to turn to the light to confess Jesus as your Lord. He has this promise for people everywhere. Come to me, he says, come to me. The finished work that he's paid, he's paid it all for you on the cross. He went to the grave for three days and he rose again that you might have life. And you're hearing this maybe for the first time or maybe for the umpteenth time, but it's finally hitting you. Today is the day to choose to not walk in the old ways, but to walk with the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to worship, to praise you freely. I pray, Lord, that, that fruit would be born out of this, Lord God, that, that just hearing this word would not just be an encouragement that we go off into the rest of our Sabbath day of rest and, and just say, well, we'll see you next week, but Lord, that you would make a difference here, that there would be evidence in our lives individually, in our families, and in our church. And Lord, that you would be honored, that the fame and glory of your name would be lifted high, that this church, the mission of this church would be set afire. God, we would just see such amazing things that are happening that you have yet to do in our city and in our region. Lord, and if there's anyone here who's prayed that prayer of asking your forgiveness in this hour, we pray, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, you would powerfully grab hold of their heart. Tell them they are saved, they are redeemed. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.